An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! This one goes out to Rebecca. Episode 390, submission number 049, Ledsky's Beauties. Ledsky's Beauties aired on the ABC television network from February 12th to June 27th of 1977 for 13 of the greatest half hours in all of television. You lie, but believe it or not, that's three less. Three less. We don't talk about many shows that had less episodes than the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show and Uncle Croc's Block, but here's one of them. Three less episodes. And who's Rebecca? Friend of mine from college. Okay. In the late 1970s to early 1980s, there was perhaps no more potent television dynasty than that of Miller Boyette Milkus. That would be Thomas Miller, Eddie Milkus, and Robert Boyette. This is a fact. They teamed up with Gary Marshall to create perhaps one of the greatest sitcoms ever come out of that era, Happy Days. And Happy Days was actually used as a springboard for further comedy, if you can believe that. Now, we all know that Mork was sort of shoehorned into an episode of Happy Days to spin off Mork and Mindy, which lasted for a long time. But for every Mork and Mindy, There's shows like Out of the Blue, by the way, that's on the list, and this show, where you have Nancy Walker shoehorned into an episode for the express written intent of spinning her off into her own show. There's a bit of a logistical problem with this. Happy Days took place in the early 60s, right? The show that was spun off, this show that we are talking about, takes place in 1977. 
And the episode of Happy Days that featured Nancy Walker as Nancy Blansky, who was Howard Cunningham's cousin, that aired a week before the premiere of this show. So, no need for the backdoor pilot. It's already baked into the schedule. This was just a case that we're going to talk about many times before all is said and done with this podcast. So let's not talk any more about Happy Days, and let's talk about Gary Marshall teaming up with the writing team of Bob Bruner and Arthur Silver, which I believe we talked about in uh, previous entries, like that show with the guy named Zipper. Zipper! I was ready to say Auto Man, but I know that's not the right answer. Are you talking about Delta House by chance? I am talking about Delta House, yes. By the way, Bob Bruder, credited with creating the Fonzie nickname for Arthur Fonzarelli. He and partner Arthur Silver teamed up with Gary Marshall to create this show which instead of the cold Milwaukee daylight, we have the nightlight of Las Vegas. So what would Nancy Blansky be doing? Well, it turns out Nancy Blansky was a longtime Las Vegas showbiz veteran since the 1950s who has given up her life of glamour and glitz on the strip for a somewhat quieter role as a Den mother to a bevy of beautiful Las Vegas showgirls. Helping to defray the cost of her apartments, we also have her boyfriend and her two nephews. And rounding it all out, a dog named Blackjack. And the best part about Blackjack is in the open, Blackjack the dog is playing Blackjack. So it's a dog. With Blackjack and hookers. Now, now, Bender, they're not hookers. They are legitimate Las Vegas showgirls. They are respectable females. Sure. Was that your Gene Rayburn there? Right. We need to find that soundbite of Gene going, right. right. <laughs> Every time, like, something, like, we don't care about, or we just don't give an F, we'll just have Gene say, right. We have, like, 170 Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour episodes to find all the times he said, right. So when everybody's not in the glitzy Vegas apartment, and by the way, I've seen glitzy Vegas apartments, they look like regular apartments. But while they're not in the apartments, Nancy stages the girls' big numbers at the fictional Oasis Hotel on the Strip. So, who are Blansky's beauties? Well, we start with, obviously, the dead mother of the beauties, Nancy Blansky. We talked about her, played by Nancy Walker. And really, what hasn't Nancy Walker been in? This was like a real busy part of her career because she had recently left Macmillan and Wife because she was the housekeeper on Macmillan and Wife. 
But also earlier this season, in the 1976-77 season, she had her own show, The Nancy Walker Show, which didn't last that long. And then she ended up on this, and this didn't last that long. So wait, are we going to say she's the female McLean Stevenson? Hardly. Uh, I would say at least for 1976-77, I I wouldn't call her that. Uh, She just had two bad shows in that one season. Like I said, she's best known for being the housekeeper on Macmillan and Wife. Twice a week, every Saturday on Cozy at noon at 3 p.m. You're more than welcome. But yeah, not only was she Macmillan and Wife's maid, she was also in two more shows that were equal in run, at least equal in her involvement. She was in 41 episodes of Rhoda as Ida Morgenstern, Rhoda's mom. And her last credited role, and I grew up watching this show, two seasons as Stephanie Pharisee's mother on True Colors. So I think you just made the case that she's not McLean Stevenson because of her work on Rhoda. Did she ever run into Carlton the doorman? Probably. Carlton the doorman doesn't like Mondays. Mm. Well, because you voiced Garfield. That's the joke. Yeah, that, that's, that's the joke, yeah. But yeah, Nancy Walker, legendary. Absolutely legendary. And then you have sort of the leader of the showgirls, or at least the only one of the showgirls that has a face credit in the opening, and that would be Bambi Benton, played by Karen Kay. That's right, Jason Bateman's mama on It's Your Move. Possibly making a Hall of Fame case? Possibly making a Hall of Fame case. And then you have the two nephews. The older brother, Joey. (laughs) Older brother, Joey, which I'm assuming is some sort of relation to Carmen the Big Ragu Ragusa. Because he's played by Eddie Mecca. He's played by Eddie Mecca. They say he's a cousin, but he's honestly witness protection. Hey, where can I get a good pizza in Vegas? Hey, I got an answer for you. Check out the Luxor. They got a great buffet out there. Hey. I don't think the Luxor was around in 1977. Hey. Hey, it totally wasn't. Hey. You know, Eddie Mecca was nothing like that in real life, and we've just, like, stereotyped him as this person who has this Italian accent looking for pizza in Brooklyn. How dare we do that to the deceased? Oh, yeah. Well. Does this mean we're going to have to do a bunch of nerdy references when we ultimately get into the Steve Urkelverse? Moving on. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And playing his younger brother, Anthony, who is, and now I'm quoting Joey, 12 going on 28, Scott Baio. We don't talk about Scott Baio. No, no, no. And you know what? It's very apropos we brought it back for this. <laughs> especially what's going on in the news right now. <laughs> yeah, especially over the last 48 hours, yes. 
let's just say, don't keep papers lying around a stage. And then, reprising his role as Arnold Takahashi, perhaps making his own Hall of Fame case, Pat Morita. So wait, what did he do? Did he sell Arnold's and then move to Vegas? Yes. Yes, he did. That probably explains why we had Al run the joint. Yeah, in fact, I have from Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, Pat Morita, after the failure of his series, Mr. T and Tina, future entry, was added to the cast as Arnold, the character he originated on Happy Days. Here he ran a coffee shop, whereas in Happy Days he owned the diner. Marita would rejoin the cast of Happy Days five years later, while his replacement on that series, Al Molinaro, would repeat Marita's career move at that time by joining another Happy Days spinoff, Jody Loves Chachi, another future entry. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So does that mean the moral of the story is, if you run uh, any sort of diner on Happy Days, stay on the show, don't go to the spinoff? Yeah. Wait a minute. Didn't Fonzie run Arnold's at the end of the series? I never cared for Happy Days, so I can't answer that. Okay, well. I was too young. I was too young. Well, if somebody knows, let me know. Because it might explain a lot about the end of Barry. You know, there is a channel on Pluto TV dedicated to Happy Days, so I'm sure we could easily get an answer to this. Yes. And also... If there's a channel to Happy Days, I'm sure that somewhere on the Pluto TV verse, there's Happy Days on Demand. Oh, yes. And then we have a whole lot of uh, also starring credits. For example, as Emilio, Nancy's boyfriend at the time, Johnny Desmond, a legendary American singer from the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s. And then. As Hillary S. Prentice, Taffy O'Connell, who is best known for a cult classic science fiction horror film, Galaxy of Terror. Perhaps one of the greatest B-movies ever created, apparently. But she's also had credits in Chips, Wonder Woman, Rocky II, The Incredible Hulk, and... A 1990 episode of Dallas where she played some character named Honey North. That totally doesn't sound like something. It totally does. Because Honey West. As a character who's only named Arkansas, Rhonda Bates, who, fun fact, is actually from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Okay, I got a question slash comment. So she was one of the showgirls on this? Mm-hmm. She introduced herself in the open. Okay. I apologize in advance. Did she have a nice pair of little rocks? Good night, everybody. As lovely Carson, that is her... Oh, jeez. Yeah, try saying, yeah, that's her Christian name. You say that in one take. I'll be amazed. I as lovely Carson, we have Bond Gideon, who was 
best known for another future entry, Operation Petticoat, and was also a guard of chaos in the Get Smart movie, The Nude Bomb. Meanwhile, some of these other names here. Linda Goodfriend, who would go on to play Ron Howard's wife in the later seasons of Happy Days, plays Ethel Sunshine Eccolino. Shirley Kirk's Mar plays Gladys Cochise Littlefeather. Oh, jeez. Jill Owens plays Mitzi Karamazov. Harry Reddick plays Jackie Outlaw. Antoinette Yuskis plays Sylvia Silver. And rounding out the cast as a character named Horace Stubbs Washington, George Pentecost. Did you talk about Bridget Muldoon? I did not talk about Bridget Muldoon. Well, Bridget Muldoon was played by Elaine Bolton. All household names. Every single one of those people is a household name. Minus Linda Goodfriend, minus Rhonda Bates. Every one of them is a household name. They're clearly not household names. Yeah, whose household? Uh, Apparently Nancy Blansky's household, thank you. (laughs) Did you know they're beauties, Mike? I'm just finding out that they had a dog named Blackjack who played Blackjack in the open of the show. Yes, they literally had Blackjack and hookers on this show. Oh, jeez, Greg, no. I think we've determined that's not 100% true. Your mileage oh, may vary, though. Sure, sure, Mike, you believe that. Hey, I just said that, you know, your mileage may vary. If you want to call them hookers, that's fine. That goes really well with the uh, running gag with Bender, but they're classy showgirls making they, an honest they, living. Yes, they are Las Vegas professionals. Yeah, this isn't going back to the last episode where we talked about me and Joe Esterhaas and uh, talking about the movie Showgirls. No, that's totally different. These are classy working ladies. Showgirls, no. Gina Gershon, Elizabeth Berkley, no, 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 no. They were just there to... Show the goods. Just rip it out and just be like, look at me, daddy. That's all they did. But that was such a dang good movie. Hold on. I think this is the first time this has ever been said in human history. Hashtag everybody all got AIDS and shit. Oh, jeez. Okay, so we begin the series with Nancy's show in trouble. That is literally the first actual episode. With her show in trouble, Nancy Plansky hires an ace biker from back in her days in Milwaukee to jump her bike over 20 showgirls. The ace biker in question. Y'all ready for this? I got questions. I got questions, but you say it. Pinky Tuscadero. Now, wait a second. We established that Happy Days was set in the late 50s, early 60s. Pinky Tuscadero in 1977 would be obviously like 17 years older than she was on Happy Days. Did they really get Pinky Tuscadero Oh, my gosh, they did. So how do you explain the fact that Roz Kelly looks just like she did in Happy Days, which is set like 
17, 18 years earlier. That doesn't make sense. Nobody thought about anything about continuity back in the day. And besides that, you want to make her look like she fits in the era, just give her an era-appropriate haircut. That's all you have to do. Era-appropriate haircut. Or get a wig. But then you got to, like, age her, like, 17 or 18 years. Do you have the makeup to make her look like she's, you know, what, 40 or so? Or 38 or however old she would have been in 1977? If she was anything like Henry Winkler, she was probably 38 when she played Pinky Descadero. Uh, close. 34. What I tell you? What I tell you? She ages gracefully. Episode 2. Blansky for the defense. Nancy makes a valiant attempt to create a semblance of a normal home life when juvenile authorities investigate to find out whether her nephew Anthony is growing up in a proper environment. Well, this is Scott Baio we're talking about. And looking at how he turned out in 2023, no, he was not growing up in a proper environment. No, Thank no, you. No, no, no. Hey, do you want a name? I do want a name. All right. Playing Miss Lawler in this episode is Linda K. Henning. We've talked about her in the past. She was on Petticoat Junction. Besides Petticoat Junction, she did the circuit back in the day. The game show circuit I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, she did a little bit of Pyramid, uh, Celebrity and Family Feud, Password Plus, Liars Club, Show Offs, Three for the Money, Tattletales, You Don't Say, Rhyme and Reason, Password. So, and match game. So, yeah, she was on, like, all the shows back in the day. Another person who was on all the shows, and by all the shows I mean shows that were 30 to 60 minutes in length in prime time, Lou Horn, who actually played a role on this episode. And the thing of it is, he played Murray on this episode. We talked about him on previous century, Holmes and Yo-Yo. Oh my gosh, that would be yeah. the year after this. Good heavens. Yeah. ABC had some good shows at the time, but they had some absolute bombs. Yeah, but Lou Horn will go down in history for one role. My name is Mr. Moody, and I'm in a bad Moody. Are we maybe making a slight Hall of Fame case? Because that isn't the first time... We talked about Mr. Moody. I think we are. Because remember, he was also in two episodes of Manimal. Wow! Manimal. That's just gorgeous. Never gets old. You know, I have a question. When William Conrad did the opening for Manimal, you think in the ADR room he asked, hey, what was it that Danish? Was it cheese? I got a problem with cheese. Oh, jeez. Boy, all the running jokes are coming out tonight. We've got the William Conrad joke. We've got Bender coming out. And also we had Gene Rayburn. Right. Uh, what, what else are we going to pull out of, the, uh, out of uh, storage tonight? And this is just episode two. We still have 11 more to cover. Right. Episode three, 
Nancy's Magic Moment. Nancy becomes a detective when the girls' valuables vanish from their dressing room. I blame the dog. Because Blackjack needed money to go play Blackjack, just like he did in the open. By the way, Blackjack, a Great Dane, not unlike Scooby-Doo. Episode 4, Nancy's Cover-Up. Nancy threatens to quit her hotel job staging Las Vegas extravaganzas when she is ordered to have her showgirls perform topless. With blackjack and hookers! Alright, we have a name on this episode. Play the role of Sindhu, Herb Edelman, a.k.a. Stan Zbornak from the Golden Girls. Stanley Zabornak, that's great. We don't give enough love around here to Stanley Zabornak. That's because he's a right bastard, why? I understand, but as integral as a piece he was to Golden Girls, he doesn't get enough love, I'm sorry. Episode 5. Nancy Goes Chic. Uh, Let's just clarify the spelling there. S-H-E-I-K, not C-H-I-C. So you know where we're going with this, probably. Nancy charges to the rescue when a much-married billionaire Shake becomes romantically involved. Did you say Shake? I said Shake. You can say Shake. It's Shake or Shake. But unfortunately, if we're talking about Aqua Teen Hunger Force, it is Master Shake, not Master Sheik. Yes. <laughs> anyway, a much-married billionaire, one of those, becomes romantically involved with Bambi. And playing the Sheik, or Shake. Legend, Ross Martin, the Wild Wild West. Maybe making his own Hall of Fame case. Potentially, yes. Episode 6. Anthony falls in love. Aww. But even his Aunt Nancy agrees that Bambi should settle down with a strong man... Love-smitten Anthony proposes marriage to her. Bit of a name on this episode. Playing a character named Everett Richard Stahl. Known for roles in Private School, Overboard, L.A. Story, and The American President, he was a that guy from that thing. Especially in the 80s and early 90s. We've talked about him in the past. He was Rabbi Sugarman in two episodes of Love, Sydney. Yeah, I just noticed that. I thought we talked about him in something else, too, but doesn't look like it. But we're going to talk about him in the future because I see at least three future entries. Oh, we also talked. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I said, hold on. Oh, my gosh. Let it out. Let it out. I, I, th- I think you know what I'm going to say. I do. He played Jack Overmeyer on five episodes of Turnabout. There you go. Is that really what I need to remember him from? Yes. No, <laughs> Greg, no. No, Chico wasn't here for that episode. He I doesn't wasn't. remember the pain we were in. I don't. Uh, he was also in an episode of That's My Mama. So this, okay, this is like four things we've talked about him on. 
And I said there's at least like three or four more entries that we're going to talk about them on eventually. Eventually, yes. Get the Hall of Fame case ready. Just saying. Get the Hall of Fame case. And then playing a character named Charlie, you have Jack Perkins, who you probably remember. I know Greg definitely remembers him as the master of games on an episode of Star Trek, the original series from 1968. Oh, I thought you were going to be talking about the A&E biography, Jack Perkins. No, that's another guy. I know, but I wish we were talking about the A&E biography, Jack Perkins. You may want to rethink that wish, because I just found another credit. He was a drunk in the 1983 episode of Auto Man. Oh, that's terrific, Auto Man. <laughs> Auto Man and Manimal in the same episode. Well, multiple Auto Man references, because we talked about Zipper earlier. And I said, oh, I thought you were talking about Auto Man. No, we're talking about uh, Delta House. And one credit that he has, I didn't even know this was a franchise. He played a drunk conventioner. Wait, another drunk. Is this typecasting? Just saying. He played a drunk conventioner in The Happy Hooker Goes Hollywood. I didn't know The Happy Hooker even went to Hollywood. And this is going to be the second reference to this show on this episode. He played a character named Zabo on an episode of Honey West. Yeah, he was a, that guy from That Thing. Episode 7. Nancy meets Francie. Nancy concocts a desperate ploy to prevent Sunshine's mother from whisking her home to Wichita. Playing Francie, everybody's favorite doting mother, Doris Roberts. Nothing? She's a legend. What do we need to say? That's all we need to say. She's a legend. Episode 8. Nancy remembers Laverne. Nancy meets Laverne DeFazio while she's on a talent hunt in Milwaukee. And yes, Penny Marshall does make an appearance as Laverne DeFazio. Obvious Laverne and Shirley crossover is obvious. Quite obvious. Now my question is, because this takes place in 1977, Laverne and Shirley took place in the mid-60s. How are you going to tell this story? Again, this goes back to the whole Pinky Tuscadero thing. There's just like, I don't know if it's necessarily anachronisms or just continuity issues, but yeah, how do you explain Penny Marshall now, what, 17 years, 18 years older than she was on Laverne and Shirley, and she looks the same? I don't get it. And then you have in the role of Marvin, Fred Fox Jr. Now, he's not much of an actor, but you've seen his work if you've seen shows like Family Matters and My Secret Identity and, I don't know, It's Your Move, Jody Loves Chachi again. He was big in the Miller Boyette pantheon, even if, not all of his shows were made by Miller Boyette. Hey, another person that's big in the Miller Boyette pantheon played Frank in this episode. Phil Foster. He played Frank DeFazio. 
Laverne's dad. Ah. But also, again, doing some IMDb searching, this is the second reference to this this episode, and the third reference to this ever in the history of the podcast, so this is an historic moment. He played a senator in The Happy Hooker Goes to Washington. I'm not proud of myself, I'm sorry. Nobody's judging you, Mike. Don't judge me, I'm just reading what's uh, in his credits. This is a judgment-free zone, Mike. I almost want to play with blackjack and hookers again. It's a judgment-free zone with blackjack and hookers. Episode 9. Nancy meets Pa Bates. When Arkansas's dad visits Las Vegas and develops gambling fever, Nancy plots his cure. Playing Pa Bates, David Huddleston. Y'all would probably remember him as a CEO in Joe's apartment. You know who I remember him as? Santa Claus. In Santa Claus the movie. No, no. You know I don't like that movie. Oh, that's horrible. Let's be honest. Everyone knows him from The Big Lebowski, but we all remember him from Santa Claus the movie. Or Blazing Saddles. Or Blazing Saddles. Oh, Never mind that bleep. Here comes Mongo. <laughs> Can I throw out something that's a little bit of a better credit than Santa Claus the movie? I have a better credit. I'm getting to know where you're going with this, okay? All I right. think I know where you're going with this, too. He was in the poker game in Super Train. That's not where I was going. Ah, shit. <laughs> but hey, good credit. Okay, where I was going, he appeared in an episode of everybody's favorite FXX show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes! Season 6 episode, A Very Sunny Christmas. But he did not play Santa Claus in that episode. He did not. And this is the episode where, uh, who was it? It was, uh, was it Mac trying to find his dad? And they went to the, the toy store and uh, they uh, uh, they were talking about Von Hayes. We've referred to it in the past. Oh, Von Hayes. Yes. What a classic scene. You can never get enough references to Von Hayes. That's what all the kids want to talk about. Von Hayes. Hey, Indians legend and Phillies legend back in the 80s. And actually, we should be talking real fast. Oh, my gosh. The new season of It's Always Sunny is out. And if you haven't seen the first episode, you are doing yourself an injustice. That may have been one of the funniest episodes I've seen in many years. First of two new episodes. First of two new episodes. Yeah, but the second episode was crap. I'm sorry. Compared to the first episode? No, the first episode, I was dying laughing for the entire 30 minutes. It was just funny on top of funny on top of funny. It really was. And Mac getting his lips <laughs> off. Like he got stung by a bee. Hey, Mac enjoys his fancy nuts. Good night, everybody. <laughs> but you know, in the second episode, we learned that Mac's uncle is named Donald McDonald. Hey, wait. I think I'm going to debut a new segment right here now that we're talking about this. Welcome to Amazing Discoveries. Now, here's the host of Amazing Discoveries, Mike Klaus. So, guys, I made an absolutely amazing discovery 
when I was watching It's Always Sunny, uh, the second episode on Thursday. This is amazing. Sit down. You may remember we've talked about Twilight Luton and her 36s in the past. And specifically, we've referenced her as a lingerie store customer in an episode of Matlock. The manager of that lingerie store in that episode of Matlock is Max Mom. What? You heard me. Max Mom played the lingerie store manager in the episode of Matlock where Twyla Lilton was a lingerie store customer. How amazing is that? And you can double check it on IMDb. Sandy Martin, that's the woman who plays Max Mom. And she, honestly, the most underrated character on It's Always Sunny. Underrated. Because she gives no Fs and she smokes like a smokestack. Now, this is the same Sandy Martin who is in three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, right? Really? Oh, my. I can't see her being in that. But, yeah, looking at her IMDb, confirmed. And Napoleon Dynamite? Wait, was she Napoleon Dynamite's aunt or whatever? I keep she was thinking. Napoleon Dynamite's grandma. Oh, grandma, okay. Wow, I didn't even realize that was the same person. She's like a legend and we don't even know it. Yeah. But yeah, that's the first installment of Amazing Discoveries with Mike Klaus. Who knows when it's going to happen again? When will I find something that is deserving of being an Amazing Discovery? You never know. Back to the episodes. Episode 10, To Nancy With Love. Nancy accepts a new position at a plush hotel, but soon finds the job dull and longs for the disorganized hubbub of the gang at the Oasis. So playing the role of Cactus Phil, who I imagine is uh, Nancy's new job at her new establishment, Howard Morris, Dr. Zadell from Splash, George the TV repairman from the Andy Griffith Show, in the McDonald's Land commercials, he plays Bear McCheese and the Hamburglar. Rabble, rabble. And we talked about him because this credit, I remember we've talked about in the past. He voiced Wade Duck on the U.S. Acres segments on Garfield and Friends. The uh, hypochondriac Wade Duck. Yeah, the one that has the, uh, the that inner tube around him and uh, w- with the duck face on it and the face always mimicked how he felt. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, I hope. I know exactly who you're talking about. So, you know, what? if we've talked about them in the past, that means we've definitely talked about a show he's been on previously. And that is? Legends of the Superheroes, Dr. Savannah. And the Ghostbusters. He was the Red Baron on an episode. So two times we've talked about him. Episode 11. Dear Nancy. Nancy becomes concerned when Bambi falls in love with a socially prominent young lawyer. So playing, I want to say he plays this lawyer. Larry Foxworth. Don Galloway. 
Don Galloway, I don't think he's young enough to be a young lawyer. And looking at IMDb, he was 39 at the time this would have uh, recorded. So that would rate. 39 is a young lawyer? 39 is a young lawyer. Because considering the other two people playing Foxworths in this episode are older than him, playing John Foxworth is Frank Letter, who was in Danger Island and Tora 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 and Ben Casey, and playing Catherine Foxworth, Dina Dietrich, making her own Hall of Fame case. You don't mess with Mother Nature. Valid point. He's definitely the youngest of the three. Episode 12. My nephew's debut. Nancy makes a desperate effort to hitch a ride back to Las Vegas for her nephew Joey's stage debut. Oh boy, Joey's gonna be a comedian. <laughs> I'm trying to picture that in my mind. It's like, every one of his jokes are like, Hey, something, something, something. Hey! Something, something, ooh, something, yeah. Something, something, pizza! Well, at least it's not his brother uh, being the comedian. Scott Bayo. I don't want to hear his jokes about January 6th. No, 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 no. Yeah, I don't want to hear his jokes about January 6th along with Jimmy Pesto. <laughs> oh! True story! Jimmy Pesto was arrested and charged for his role in January 6th. Very true. True story. Book says so. Look it up. Okay, we have a that guy from that thing on this episode playing Mr. Cellino. Jason Wingreen, you would know as Judge Arthur Beaumont on 11 episodes of Matlock. But he was also in a 1992 episode of Seinfeld, Greg. He was man number two in season four's The Opera. Man number two. Oh, he was also General Scarlet in a 1987 episode of MathNet. Trying to figure out which episode that was. The problem of the... Oh my god! The problem of the missing baseball, y'all. Oh, I remember a... that. The first is always the best. What a great episode of MathNet. If you can find it on YouTube, guys, just saying. There's not a bad episode of MathNet in the bunch. Especially, oh my god. Did you know McLean Stevenson was on an episode of MathNet? What? Come again? McLean Stevenson on an episode of MathNet. He played Mike Pliers in The Case of the Deceptive Data. <laughs> what was his character name? Mike Pliers. Oh, that's a great name. Because it was supposed to be Mike Hammer. They couldn't afford, like, freaking, uh... What's his face? Stacy Keach, that's who I was thinking of. Well, no, he would have been busy at this point. He would have still been doing the uh, new Mike Hammer. That's the joke. 
Okay, but also, you know, PBS is not going to pay a lot of money for Mike Hammer, I'm just saying, or Stacey Keach. So, yeah, it may be the joke, but also, you know, there is a backstory there. By the way, playing a character named well worth watching on that episode, Dick Sargent. One of the two dicks from Bewitched. Are we talking about Blansky's Beauties or are we talking about Mathnet here? You know how I am when I fall into a rabbit hole. So what's the answer? Episode 13. What? No, you still didn't answer the question. What was the question? Are were we you talking, talking about, about Blansky's Beauties or were you talking about Mathnet regarding that person you just mentioned? Dick Sargent? Oh, yeah, I was talking about Mathnet. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now the, we go to episode okay. 13. All right. Deidre Folds was also in that episode. Just oh, saying. Oh, hold on a second. Before we go to episode 13, we need to talk about this for a second. <laughs> Wait, you're saying it was Dick Sargent and also McLean Stevenson and Deidre Voles? Yes. Holy shit, I've died and gone to heaven. <laughs> Woo. I know what I'm looking for after the episode. That is, uh, Mike, that is the case of the deceptive data. I heard that the first time. Trust me, I, I remember I, it now. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to let you know. I'm trying no, to let you know. I appreciate you looking out for me. And finally, episode 13, Nancy breaks a leg. Nancy mistakenly anticipates rest and relaxation when she's hospitalized for a fracture following a softball game accident. Playing Dr. Berg on this episode, Howard Hessman. Dr. Johnny Fever himself. Charlie Moore from Head of the Class. And by the way, the OG Head of the Class is now on Freebie. Ah, nice. Oh, nice. What about the reboot? Is that still on HBO Max or did they yank it before they merged with Discovery Plus? Who knows and who cares? There you go. Good answer. Both of them. A couple more names on this episode playing Nurse Gibbons, Conchetta Farrell. We talked about her, I believe, in A Year at the Top, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, yes. But of course, we would all know her best from her role living with Two and a Half Men. And rounding out the names in this episode as Rose, Catherine Damon who was one half of the Landlord-Landlady team on season two onward of Webster. Really? That's what you're going to say? You're not going to say Mary Campbell from Soap? I was just about to say that. Okay, but that's where I remember her from. That's her role, in my opinion, not some wifey landlord on Webster. But then again, you know, I am like five years older than you and... I do like the 70s shows over the 80s shows, but regardless. Yeah, Mary Campbell. That's all you need to hear. She was married to Richard Mulligan. Is there not a better combination than Richard Mulligan and Catherine Damon as Burton Mary Campbell? Can't think of one, no. Sadly died relatively young. She was only 57. No, wait, she was 56? Yeah, she had cancer. Oh, heartbreaking. So that was the show, and what can we say except not even the directorial geniuses of Jerry Paris and Alan Rafkin could have saved this pile of crap? I have an article, and the title of this, and I'm sorry for this, 
since we referenced one of her previous failures that year. Another disaster looms for Nancy Walker. This is written by William Hickey. In the course of human events, one is bound to see a lot of dismal television shows, but is simply no excuse for a production the likes of, and it says Mrs. Blansky's Beauties, so I wonder if either that's an error on the part of the writer, or if maybe like a pilot was titled Mrs. Blansky's Beauties instead of just Blansky's Beauties. There's multiple references to Mrs. Blansky's Beauties in this, so just word of warning. The latest situation comedy... To come down the ABC TV long lines made its debut Saturday night and gave a deeper meaning to the word schlock. Mrs. Blansky's Beauties was so devoid of either situation or comedy that the television industry will be forced to come up with an entirely new classification for it. Sit bomb simply isn't descriptive enough. Nancy Walker, the erstwhile pixie of primetime television, no doubt will set some sort of record among performers on the medium by heading two half-hour disasters in one season. An earlier show bearing her name slithered down the drain a month or so ago. This is from February 14th of 1977, so we can fairly say that uh, the Nancy Walker show probably barely got a 1976, if even at all. In this vastly wanting effort, she plays the role of a den mother to a group of Las Vegas chorus girls, In addition, she must whip up the production numbers her charges perform, choreography included. She has problems, to be sure, most of which are related to the fact that talent is a scarce commodity among her chorines. A second conflict has been thrown in for good measure. She works for a man who is not only cheap, but also steals what little recognition is due her. As far as could be determined, in less severe eye-watering moments, Mrs. Blansky's Beauties is dedicated to the proposition that exposed flesh, notably the seven-foot legs of chorus girls, is all that a show really needs to succeed. The producer must be firmly convinced that is so, for he didn't bother to give the show a structure, much less such inconsequential things as direction, scripting, and acting. If things weren't going badly enough in the premiere, Someone got the idea that it would be groovy to have Pinky Tuscadero join in the fun, complete with the motorcycle act and a pathetic imitation of the Fonz. At about this point in the proceedings, waves of embarrassment all but engulfed my being and mental survival necessitated a hurried departure from the viewing room in the general direction of the liquor cabinet. Though a dedicated man who readily responds to the call of duty... Watching Mrs. Blansky's Beauties a second time would require more fortitude and discipline than I could possibly muster. After all, I am not into that sadomasochism thing. Wow, he was harsh. There's got to be a reason why this only ran 13 episodes. Besides, uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. Got to look at the schedule. I got it right here. Oh, the schedule, this is not good. Blansky's Beauties aired on February 12th, 1977. It was a Saturday, and it led the night off, leading into Fish, Starsky and Hutch, and Most Wanted. We already covered Fish. Starsky and Hutch, that was must-watch viewing. But Blansky's Beauties was up against two heavyweights. Emergency on NBC, and 
Oh, boy. The Mary Tyler Moore Show on CBS. And this would have been the last season of Mary Tyler Moore. Which, even if it's last season, still had some legs going for it. Well, it didn't get canceled. I think it uh, voluntarily ended, so it was still obviously a good show. And Emergency, that was no slouch either. That still had two more seasons. Meanwhile, this show lasted 13 episodes. It lasted its entire run, for better or for worse. Eight of those episodes were compiled in a fan-made DVD, which you can purchase if you know where to look. But if you can't help yourself with the practicality of hard media, several episodes have made their way onto YouTube and YouTube-like websites. Just make your daily motion towards searching for it. Ha-ha! Hey, guys. I have an answer to something we were talking about earlier. When we were talking about Howard Hessman, you said, is the revival, the new version of Head of the Class on Max? The answer is no. I didn't think so. So I guess that's going to be another thing on TV for another day. But right now, let's uh, go ahead and wrap this up. Because we said that Blansky's beauties lasted the entire run of 13 episodes before getting canceled, right? Oh, it was can Oh, yeah. It was canceled uh, swiftly. Yes. But the show never really died after that. Gary Marshall would take three of the characters on this show. Linda Goodfriend, Scott Bayo, and Karen Kay and write a new pilot similar to, but legally distinct from Blansky's Beauties, called Legs. Legs? Legs. Okay, that name doesn't really interest me, but whatever. But, but here's the thing. After further retooling Legs, that show did end up on another network with a new title. Who's Watching the Kids? Which is another thing on TV for another time. But Lansky's Beauties ain't nothing beautiful about this thing on TV. We've got a couple of beauties over on our website at itwasathingontv.com. We have all of our episodes, all of our live watches, mini-sodes couple of instant reactions. That's all there, and you can find it also where fine podcasts can be streamed. Remember, like and subscribe, rate and review, five stars only, because positive vibes only. And also, please don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform, at It Was A Thing On TV, except for Facebook, which is It Was A Thing On TV Podcast. And if you're following us on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, flirt with that notification bell if you want to stay up to date with all of our future entries, including something that is coming out in theaters this week, we hope. Boy, what could we be talking about? 
No, I mean, there's only like one really big movie coming out. That's what yeah. I'm implying. And Batman's in it. Batman's in the movie. No, no, not just Batman. Supergirl's also in the movie. Yeah, but not just Batman. We got Batman. And Batman. Two Batman. Two Batmans. In one movie. In one movie. There's also one more superhuman hero in this movie. But I cannot picture it for the life of me. I'm sure I'll remember it before the next episode of It Was a Thing on TV. Thank you ever so much for listening. Please be kind to one another and we will see you for the next one. Wow! Saturday, the fun starts when Nancy meets Francie, Sunshine's mom. Actually, we live a very quiet life here. And what do you call this? Bad timing. Then there's a fire at the fishes. Yeah, he has two doors down. It's on fire. Could Victor be a firebug? These children are under my supervision. Go fish! And Starsky and Hutch are set up by the mob. Right after Blansky's Beauties and Fish. <laughs>